Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. This message this morning can be considered as part two of our church leadership series. And, um, you know, my assignment was to teach on deacons. And this morning, as I share with you, if I sound more like a teacher, um, that's what I was asked to do. You know, and most of the things that I do these days is that I am, I'm not so much preaching. I, I, I do a lot more teaching than preaching. And you know, it, it's been said that there's a lot of good teaching in good preaching. And there's a lot of good preaching in good teaching. So we can't separate those two um, too stringently. So my approach this morning is I want to talk, I want to teach on servanthood in the kingdom of God, the church, and the home, and then I want to finish up with um, just doing an exposition of if 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 to 13. You know, uh, it is uh, John Milton in his epic poem, Paradise Lost. He, he said that um, Lucifer said it is better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. You know, John Milton didn't go uh, too far from the, the spirit of what we see in the scriptures of Lucifer. But I think when we talk about hell, a lot of us, we, we sometimes have the, the wrong idea of what it's all about. You know, I've, I've heard people s describe hell as, hey, there would be one huge party. And then for, uh, for Christians in heaven, it will be just one dull gathering. But, you know, the, the Bible talks about hell as a place of torment. So when um, John Milton says that, that Satan says it's better to, to rule in hell, you know, one thing, he's, he's probably the prince of this uh, age, but in hell, he would not be ruling. Uh, on the opposite side of the, 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 the picture, we see the psalmist in Psalm 84, verse 10. He says that he would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of his God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You see, when it comes to service, it is, uh, or, or, or serving, we, I think we missed the picture. For the Greeks and the Romans as well, service was undignified. 
For them, they were born to rule, not to serve. And that is why for the Greeks, uh, meekness and humility were never virtues. But in the church, which is all about service, we see that meekness and humility are the, the, some of the crown virtues. Because without meekness and humility, we really cannot serve. So that's the, the, the Greeks. They, they think they were born to rule, not to serve. In Judaism, service was not taught to be unworthy. Hence, in Judaism, we have a deeper understanding and development of what service is all about. But it is in the New Testament that we, we have Jesus exalting service um, to the highest level, where he relates it to uh, the love of God. And this morning, as I speak, the big takeaway would be like heaven's highest calling is being called to be a servant of God. Or we can, we can say that another way. Um, if God has called you to be a servant, don't stoop to be a king. If God has called you to be a servant, don't stoop to be a king. So we see service is extremely important. From, from Genesis to Revelation, from creation to the fall to redemption to consummation, we see service. Man was created to serve. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, we see God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And, and, and we see that God said, let him rule over whatever he has created. And that rulership was servanthood. And, and so when we see a, a theme like service from Genesis to Revelation in creation, in fall, in redemption, and in consummation, it has to be an important uh, concept. So throughout the Bible, we, we, we see this idea of service. It, it is a pervasive theme. And so we, we, we definitely want to um, keep that in mind. Now, I said that Jesus talked about service and um, or he gave us the model for it. And so we, we see the paradigm for leadership or servant leadership is given to us by Jesus. Let me read a portion of scripture here that um, I, I just love. Verse 42 of Mark chapter 10. You know, the context of this is we see James and John, they came to Jesus and they said, you know, can one of us sit at your right hand and the other one at the left hand or side in, your, in glory? And then we see that Jesus says, um, you, you guys don't know what you're asking. And he says, can you, can you drink of the cup that, that I would drink of? And they said that we, we can and in the, the midst of that, we see Jesus give this uh, lesson here. And let me read from verse 42. And Jesus called them and said to him, and Jesus 
called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whosoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, that is the paradigm that we have of, of leadership in the, in the New Testament. You know, when it comes to leadership, the styles of leadership, there are, there, there are different categories that we use. We said that there is the, the autocratic or the, the dictatorial form of leadership. We see we, we say that there is the democratic or the participative style. We said that they are the laissez-faire or the delegative style. And then there are others that say there is the situational leadership. But the, the final one, that, 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 and which is the one I'm speaking about this morning, is servant leadership. And it was Jesus that brought this to the, to the fore for us. Um, Jesus, uh, the, the servant. You know, and in here again, I, I want us to uh, have a few um, slides on the words that we, that we use. Here, here are a group of words, and in the, the Old Testament, there is this Greek word, or Hebrew word rather, uh, is abed. And it is used as a slave or a servant. But look at the scope of this word. Uh, it is used for a slave, a servant. It could be a manservant. It is used for subjects like, like, like citizens or servants um, in terms of worship. Um, in, in a special sense, the prophets and the Levites, they were called servants. And then we have uh, servants as a form of address between equals. But that is the, 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 the noun, the, the verb uh, that we have is, is a very interesting word. And um, we see the verb, this noun form occurred first in the Bible in Genesis uh, chapter 9, verse 25, where we see Noah actually in the form of a curse. He, to Canaan, he says that the servant of servants you will be. And they, so, so we have, um, th that's the first use of the noun. But the verbal form, can we go back to the other slide or we, we passed it there? Um, no, forward a little bit. We, we missed that. Um, anyway, the, the verbal form, here we have, it, has, it is first used in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, uh, it is used in verse 5 also because where it says that it, there was no, uh, no one to till the, the soil. But in verse 15, we see the Lord place Adam in the garden to till it or to cultivate it. And that is the word that is used there. So we see from the very beginning, man was created to be a servant. And in Genesis chapter 4 verse 2, or verse 3, uh, we see that Abel was, 
or Cain rather, was considered a tiller of the soil. So that is the word that is used there. So we see from the very beginning, man was created to serve. And um, in the New Testament now, we have a, a couple of words that I, that, that I want us to, um, to have a quick look at. And the, the first one is that the word that we have, um, can we go to the next slide? Okay. And here we have the word uh, for deacon. Diakoneo is the word that, that we have there. And so we see that the word has this a, a wide variety of meaning to, to minister to one, to render a ministering office. And so we see from this word, the, um, if we go down to number three there, he said to minister, to supply food and necessities of life, to relieve one's necessity, to provide care, to distribute um, the things necessary to sustain life. And then we see that um, 3C in a Christian church, it is used to serve as a deacon, and that is where the word is used in a technical sense. Uh, so this word is a is, is, is very broad um, word. And then we have the noun of it is, um, is, is also used with the same uh, ideas and concepts. Now, we see here, um, like the noun, it says that to, uh, the servant of a king, or it is used of a, a deacon, one who by virtue of the office, and uh, that's one of the offices in the New Testament church, assigned to him by the church to care for the poor and has charge of or to distribute the money collected for the use. And the, the, the idea of this word really is to, to wait, to, to, to serve uh, on tables, and that is the the common use, the common idea of the word. So we, we see that um, the, these two Hebrew words and the two Greek words, they have a very broad spectrum of meaning. So let, let me um, use a diagram here. And, uh, and this is what we have here. We have various words, various nuances, and various usages. It is used from like a slave to a servant to an attendant or the official. So we see at one end of the spectrum, we have abject servitude or bondage. Uh, that's the whole idea of a slave. But on the other side, we have the highest honor that can be bestowed upon a person. And that is why my big idea here this morning is heaven's highest calling is being called to be a servant of God. And, and so we, we, we definitely want to um, remember that. Now let's look a little bit at um, the model of uh, what, it, what it means to be a, a, a servant. Um, in leadership, this to me here is the model of servant leadership. We have, uh, we have the leadership, then we have service, 
and sacrifice and then glory. And that the idea of, of, of this comes right out of the Mark uh, chapter 10 passage where Jesus says that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. One of the things that we have from this portion of Scripture here is we see that um, to, to serve, it will cost you. Uh, and and, and for, for Jesus, it cost him his life. And in this portion of Scripture here, uh, in, in Mark chapter uh, 10, as I was looking through it, you know, it, it, I have the, the idea that, hey, we have two choices. You know, we can live and serve as the Gentiles, and we can rule over people, and we can use them. They could be means to the end, or we can live like Jesus and lead like Jesus where we actually serve people. We go before them. We walk beside them. We stand under them so that we can support them. And, um, and, and we do things not so much uh, for them, but we do things with them. So it's, um, that's the, the, the model of uh, leadership there. Now, let me talk a little bit about the spheres of leadership. And um, what, when we talk about the sphere of leadership, you know, we, we serve God. And, and that is the, in the, the center there. And every other service that we have flows out of this. And if you're not serving God, we, you cannot serve others very well or you can't serve them as you, you should serve them. And then the other sphere that we have is after we, we serve the Lord, and we serve the Lord by serving others. And so what we do is we serve in the home. And you know, leadership in the New Testament is, is, is very interesting. You know, we, we talk about training leaders in the world. We, we, we train leaders in the, the academies and in colleges. But when it comes to leadership in the New Testament, as far as elders and deacons are concerned, the, the ground for training and for testing is the home. And that is why we, we, we have from serving God, we, we serve at home, and then we serve in the church. And then the, the next level is that we serve in the kingdom or we serve in the world. So this idea of service is extremely important, and we, we, we want to keep that in mind. Now, you know, and the, the word or the idea of the deacon <clears throat> is something that is really new. It is something that the we didn't have that in Judaism. In Judaism, our service, our alms, was rendered through um, the, the, the alms-giving structure that they had. 
In the synagogues, they didn't have something like this. But when it comes to the office of the deacon or the, 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 the instrument of using deacons, which I believe, to be honest with you, is something that is underutilized in the church. And we have all kinds of weird and woolly ideas about what deacons are supposed to be. You know, but one of the things that we, we need to remember is that the, this, this whole office came about as a, first as a necessity. And there are, there are four major texts that we, we have in the New Testament for this. And I have them here in a chronological order. So you would probably want to know why in the world would you have the text in a chronological order? Well, I, I decided to do this because I want to show you the development of the office. And we, we find the first use of, the, of this is in um, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. And that was, Romans was written around 57 AD. And so here we have in the New Testament, in, in, for, in terms of how it was written, we have probably the first mention of this, this whole idea of deacons. And um, let, me, let me turn to that. It, and, and it's... Um, And here it is act, it's referring to Phoebe. And let, let me read. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of, at Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So there we have the Apostle Paul is, is, is talking about Phoebe, and she is referred to as a servant. And that, our word, the word that is used for, for deacons is the word that is used in verse 1, where it says that she's a servant of the church. Same word that is used for deacon, uh, but it is the feminine form of the word. And there, if, you know, as I was preparing for this, I have a, a week, a month of sermons, actually, or messages. But as we look at Phoebe, there, there are actually four things I want you to, 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 to go away with uh, very quickly. One is that she was a saint. You know, we, we often said that you're either a saint or you're an ain't. And if you ain't a saint, you're an ain't. But uh, anyway, the, the idea of being a saint is actually a true believer. You know, sometimes we talk about saints, and we, we have all kinds of ideas about that as well. But in the New Testament, the, the, the word saint is used to mean a true believer. And um, so the first thing about Phoebe, she was a believer. The other thing she was, it says that she was a sister. She was a part of this household of faith. And then the other thing it talks about is that she was a servant of the church. And then the next thing she, it says about her in verse 2 is she was a patron. 
A very, very interesting word, uh, this word that is translated patron in the ESV. Actually, the word is only used once in the Greek New Testament, and, and this, is the, this is the use here. It was used of a woman who uh, was set over others. The King James uh, rendered it as a succor, which means to give comfort, to give help. And or, or, or it was used for a person that was a guardian. So we, we see from this uh, text here, we see the kind of people that actually were, were called to be uh, deacons and deaconesses. Actually, the word deaconess is a very uh, interesting word. It was in, in Romans here, we have the word that is used is just a, a, a feminine form of the word that is used for deacons. But in the fourth century, there was a word that was used, a, a separate word that was used for deaconesses. And uh, de, the, the word is diakonisa. And that's the Greek. And then the Latin is, is, is about the same. So this is the first text that, that, that we have, and it was written about 57 AD. So we see even at that time, it was uh, the, the use of deacons was, was very prevalent in the church. The next text I want to use is Philippians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 1. And there we see Paul says, Paul and Timothy, servants and that's the Greek word doulos, of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, and to the overseers, that's the word episkopos there, and the deacons. And so we see here, it talks about the structure of the church. And what we have, we have, we have the, the apostles who, were, who consider themselves slaves, and actually, they were not slaves of men, and we need, to be, we need to be aware of that. They were actually slaves of Jesus Christ, and they were servants of others, an important distinction for us to make. But then we see that they, so they were, they were the, the servants, then we see they were saints. And there again, that word that is used, uh, that has the, old, the idea of true believers or the set-apart ones. And then we see um, to the, those who are in Philippi, and then we have the overseers, or elders, or pastors. Those three words are used interchangeably uh, to, to refer to the same office. And actually, in the New Testament church, we have the adopted the, the office of the elder from the Old Testament idea. But well, then I said the, the, the deacons was something that was new. The other um, main text that we have that deals with um, deacons is actually in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and following. And this is actually the, the foundation of the office. This, this is where the office um, came about from. You know, a lot of times we, we don't really appreciate the, this text 
a lot of times we come to it and we, we say that, well, it is, it is descriptive, not prescriptive. And, and, but what, one of the things that, that I'd like to say that it is, it may not be prescriptive in, in, in here, definitely descriptive, but I think the most important thing about it, it is, is, it is informative. And we see that whatever was written in the Old Testament was written for our instruction. And for us now, as we look back in the book of Acts, particularly a historical book, whatever is written there, if it is not prescriptive, it is written for our instruction. So it is, it is instructive. So this is, this is the foundation. The other thing about this is I was, as I was looking uh, at this uh, topic and I was preparing for it, you know, because of, of Acts chapter 6, we see that in church history, at least the first three, 400 years of the church, uh, it, this passage of Scripture was extremely important uh, when it comes to uh, deacons. Um, we see... Um, Irenaeus uh, talked about deacons, and he said seven deacons. And this is uh, second century. We see Eusebius, who was one of the first church historians. He said the Roman church limited the, or the number of deacons to seven. But, you know, they, they had 46 elders. So we see this, this portion of Scripture here is actually really the foundation, the origin of um, the, the office. Now, there are a couple things about it. The book of Acts was written about 63 uh, A.D. Why do I say that? The reason I say that is because in Acts 28, we see uh, Luke refers to uh, Paul's imprisonment in Rome, and that is about 62. But we see that the events, though, the, when this happened, probably about 34 AD, and, and, and we need to make that distinction. So let me read uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in those days when the disciples increased in number, the com a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Uh, actually, there was nothing wrong with, um, with serving tables. But what the apostle is saying here, or the apostles, the twelve, they're saying that the things that matter most should never be at the mercy of the things that matter less. And, and so the, the, the priorities here was uh, preaching the word. And then verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out for you, among you seven men of good repute, full of, the Holy, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to the duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So that, that was their priority. And, um, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith 
and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Permanus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Actually, that's the uh, description of ordination. And then we see um, verse 7. He says, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to this faith. Actually, that's another message right there. But what, what do we have here? We have in this portion of Scripture, uh, because of the growth of the church, there were some problems. And then we we see the, there was a, a complaint. Very interestingly here is that we have the ones that were doing the complaining were really not the widows. Uh, but we see there were, they were others. So there were others that were advocating for them. And the apostles, because they had um, certain priorities, they said that it, it is not fitting for us to leave the preaching of the word and serve tables. And there we have the whole idea of deacons. The, the root of the word is to, to serve tables. And then we see that they, they said, let's, let's appoint um, seven men to look after the, the matter. And they did that. But the interesting thing that we have here is these guys, they were supposed to or they were, they were set aside to serve tables, to distribute food. But it is important for us to remember that the, every, there, there are no small tasks in the church. And, and leadership in the church is, first of all, spiritual. And just as we see that Phoebe, she was a sister, she was a saint, she was a servant in the church, and she was a patron we see in the same way there are certain requirements. And one of the things about these men that they were looking for, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be filled with wisdom. And we see they, they did that. And um, it, it is important to see that they had a problem. They solved the problem. And then we see they become or they became more effective. And I, I don't want to get more into that, but let me um, give you a little bit of an idea here as to what we have. We have first uh, it, the, the office of the deacon or the service of the deacon was, uh, was an excellent idea. Then we see it became an effective strategy. And then finally we see that it became an enduring best practice. And we have all of that from this portion of Scripture. So it is, it is really a mistake to, to minimize the, this, this role or this office of the deacon. The other thing I want to say from this portion of Scripture here is that the, the deacons were working alongside the apostles or the ministers of the word or, or, or pastors. And that is the, the idea here. And the, the function of the deacon is to come alongside the, the elders. 
so that the elders can do what they should be doing and the, the deacons will do what was necessary. You know, um, in, uh, well, we're filming this from our mother church in, in Mississauga. And I used to teach the, what we call essential, harvest essential classes. I think now we call it first steps. And one of the things we used to say when we talk about deacons and elders, and uh, we believe in the plurality of, of, of leadership, and we said that the, the elders, they, they serve through leading. And the deacons, they lead through serving. And so we, it is an important distinction. We see both of, of these uh, roles or offices are uh, important, and, and they have to, both have to do with servant leadership. The next uh, portion of Scripture, major portion of Scripture that we have, and there is where I want to spend the rest of my time, is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses, verse 8 to 13. And let me read. Uh, it says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Verse 11, the wives, or actually it should be women, um, the women likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Verse 12, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. I've actually talked a lot about uh, deacons already. But from this portion of Scripture, let me give you the outline. We see the first thing it talks about is the, the call of the deacon. And the deacon is called to be a servant. A servant of the church. A servant of God. Um, just like um, Phoebe was called to be a, a, a servant of, um, or she was called a servant of the church. The next thing we have is the character of the deacon. And the character is extremely important. And this is, this is one of the other things we have. When we talk about leadership in the New Testament church, we, 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 we always talk about character before we talk about competencies. And, and so we, it is important for us to remember that. And then, then we have the cautions. And then we have the conclusions. Now let's, let's look a little bit at the character. Um, it's, it says here that they must be dignified. The idea there is that they must be sober. They must be venerable. And then it says that they must be um, 
hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. In other words, they must be firm in faith, exemplary in character and lifestyle, but firm in the faith. And then we see it says that they must be first, they must be tested. The word for test here is a very um, important word. It was the word that was used for testing gold. So what we're doing here, we're looking for deacons, we're looking for, for people or men here with, with gold in their souls. And, and so they must be tested and then they're found blameless. The word blameless here has the idea of being irreproachable or unimpeachable. And then um, it says there must be husband of one wife. Uh, the idea there is to be a one-woman man. And I usually say the husband of one wife at a time. <laughs> and then it says managing his children and his household well. And, and so those are the, the, the qualifications or the, the, the character uh, of the deacons. Interestingly, you know, the character traits of the elder and the character traits of the, the deacons are exactly the same. And, and the thing that would be of interest to you is that they're, they're the character traits of any spiritually mature man in the church. You know, it is, it is, it is of interest to me to, to see that, you know, they were actually not training these men to be elders and to be, to be deacons. But what, what, what Paul is saying is to select these men. And that, tell me, that tells me that these men were there already. All you need to do is you, 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 you just select them. And the same thing in the book of Acts for the distribution of the... The, um, the supplies to the widows. They didn't say, okay, we have to train these men. And that tells me a lot about how they did church. You know, and everything that we do in the church should be, should be training and equipping people. And that is the role of the, the pastor. So it's, it's extremely important. Now, what are the, what are the cautions that we, we have here? The cautions uh, for the deacon, he says, that he must not be addicted to wine. Not, well, firstly, not be double-tongued, or not be addicted to wine, or not be greedy of dishonest gain. And so again, there are certain things that would disqualify us. But if we were to flip these, uh, these negative things there, the cautions, what it is saying here that it should be men whose speech, um, they're men of integrity as far as their speech is concerned. Not addicted to wine, they're sober. Are not greedy for gain, but they're generous. So we can flip those uh, negatives there. And we, we have um, that. The other thing that we have in this portion of Scripture here is uh, the women or the wives. I think it is, it is better translated uh, women, uh, not um, wives. If it's wives, it will be the wives of the deacons, but that's, that's not what, uh, what is there. 
And um, in verse 11, we see there, there wise, the word there is not in the original text. So what Paul is saying, he's saying women, and, and the word can be translated both women and wise. But here again, the, the context is extremely important. So this we have here is actually um, a, a lot of evidence to show us that there were, while there were no women um, elders, there were women who were deacons. And so th th this office can be occupied by both um, men and women. And it says a number of things about the women here, and I'm going to have to move quickly here. My time is gone. He said they must be dignified. Same word that is used for the men. Um, that is um, to be venerable. And then it says not slanderers. Actually, you know, the word that is used there for slanderers is the Greek word diabolos. The word that is used for the devil is one of the names of the devil. So we, and it has to do with slanderous speech. And then faithful in all things. And that's the, that's the other word. So we see for, for both the men and the women who serve as deacons, they would be, um, there were explicit qualifications. And so we, we, here we have qualified men and qualified women. One of the things I, I, I want to say here is that it was because these people were trained in the homes that they were equipped or they were qualified to be trained in the, um, in the church or to be leaders in the church. And then we see the, the last thing that we have is actually the conclusion or the compensation. You know, when it comes to serving in the church, we, we sometimes say that the, the pay is not good, but the benefits is out of this world. And the, there are three things that it says in verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. In other words, they increase their influence. And then it says here, and, and a great confidence. So when we serve well as deacons, we, we increase our influence. We increase our, our competence. But we also um, have a, a reward. It's not mentioned here, but we have a reward that is out of this world. You know, and, and we need to serve the Lord in such a way so that when we appear before him, he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we have not only great confidence or a, a good standing, but we also have a grand entrance because of the way we serve. So that's the whole um, thing about uh, deacons. But let's, let me wrap it up. And there's one slide that I, I used uh, earlier here. This is... You know, servanthood is our birthright. It is our calling and mandate. Uh, it is the original purpose I talk about that. And it's our calling. It, and, and when it comes to calling, there is a, a general calling where all of us are called. And there is a special calling, like in the, in the sense of being called to be an elder or to called to be a deacon. <clears throat> 
And the other thing we have is we have three things there. We have functions, we have gifts, and we have offices. You know, we don't have to have the gifts to fulfill the function. But if we will occupy the office, we definitely have to have the, the spiritual gifts. And then we see that the office of the elder and the, the deacon there, we need to serve one another. And um, I, I talked to you about elders, uh, they serve by leading, and deacons lead by serving. And the deacons uh, serve so that they free up the elders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And someone has said that the challenge of the church is not to get rid of ministers, but to make everyone a minister. And that's, that, that, that's another uh, translation of that word, the servants. And how do, we, um, how do we do that? Remember what I said, that heaven's highest calling is being called to be a servant of God. You know, we can live and lead like pagans and rule over people, or we can live and lead like Jesus and serve them. How can we do that? And it comes to the next slide, which is actually, you've seen this before. We serve God. We serve God by serving others. And then we serve in the home. Remember, the home is the training and the testing ground for uh, leadership in the church. And then we're servants of, to, and in the church. And then we serve in the kingdom. My brothers and sisters, the Lord has called us to serve. I know in, 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 because of COVID, we probably don't have lots of opportunities to serve people face to face because we have to maintain social distancing. But I trust that because of the things that I've said this morning, you would see that there are all kinds of ways that we can serve others. You know, pray for them. Give them a call. Encourage them when you can. And uh, most of all, just um, maintain social distancing. Use your mask and do what we need to do uh, during this difficult time. And by doing all of that, we're serving people. Uh, let me pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you this morning for speaking to us. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that as much as your servants may stutter, you do not. The message that you have for us is very clear. That the highest calling that can be on our life is to be called to serve you. And we serve you best by serving others. Thank you in the name of the one who is the greatest servant in as much as he was Lord and Master. And he, he told us when he washed the disciples' feet, he says, you call me Master and Lord. And if I wash your feet, you need to wash one another's feet. So we need to go and do likewise. Help us during this week. Help us during these difficult times to do that. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.